Ronananian. We had a 2010 Cadillac in the shop this week where the brake lights were staying on all the time. And right away you think to yourself, okay, it's got a bad brake light switch. You go through the course of diagnosis. There is no switch in this car. Look around. The car doctor. How do I diagnose that problem? Well, I would two-foot this. If you tap the brake pedal while you're stepping on the gas, does it solve the problem? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, I want to talk to you today about, well, the value of cheap auto repair. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. Here to talk to you about your car and its problem, whatever it might have. More information about us at cardoctorshow.com. You'll also find links there to tunein.com, iheartitunes.com, you know, all the good stuff for podcasting and taking the car doctor with you. And uh, I want to point that we do appreciate the fact our podcast numbers continue to climb as more and more people want to tune into this radio show. And it doesn't seem to be enough radio affiliates um, to be able to keep everybody happy. So we want to thank those that do carry the show. We want to let you know that for podcasting, uh, we watched our podcast numbers uh, October, November, December just climb right through the roof. It's just absolutely unbelievable. Um, we, we pointed them out to a few marketing people, and they said, you guys sure you're not on five days a week? We said, nope, just a one-day-a-week radio show. Um, that's us. But uh, we want to thank you for that. And if you need me during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. A lot going on this hour. We're going to be giving away an O'Reilly Auto Parts $25 gift card. That's going to take place this hour. We're also going to be talking to Julian White. Julian is from Generation Auto TV, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about the last surviving Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am that's being auctioned off this weekend at Barrett-Jackson, and we can look forward to watching that later on this weekend on Discovery and Velocity channels. But before we open the garage doors and address some of the busy phone calls that we've got coming in, I want to talk a little bit about... I mean, maybe this is a perspective I haven't addressed. I, I actually saw value in cheap auto repair this week in that it, it, it generates work after the fact. Let me tell you the story this way. New customer. Well, the son of a regular customer, and I see William off and on. He's, he's going to college. He's studying music. Nice young man. He is a musician, and he's very much into classical music, and he... You know, he will look at things and put it together as an orchestra and a symphony where I'll just look at it and say it's a bunch of black dots and notes on a page. But everybody's got their picadillos and everybody can, you know, my notes and music occur under the hood or inside the car, whereas his are on a piece of paper in front of an orchestra. He took his 2013 Honda Accord in for some brake work down by school where he goes uh, a couple hours away about a year ago. And he had brakes done. He had front brakes done. He had three of four tires put on the car, which he says was his fault that they didn't do four. But I disagreed and said, you know, there, there's a lot of an argument that I would have with somebody at the counter to do three tires, not four, for the obvious reason, of which is why he was in the shop this week talking about replacing that fourth tire. The problem with the car, the problem that brought him to the door was pretty traditional. When he stepped on the brake, the car shook so badly 
that he couldn't control it. It was a pretty bad pulse or shake in the steering. And obviously, you know, the first thought is brakes, and but the brakes were just done. And how could that be? Just like anything else, where do you begin the diagnosis? At the beginning, all right? Treat it like you would every other time. And went out and road tested the car, you know, brought him in, signed it up, explained what we're going to do, uh, took it out for the road test, uh, you know, got away from traffic and duplicated it under his conditions. And, yeah, sure enough, 55, 60 miles an hour, step on the brake, brrr, there's a shutter in the steering, and the wheel is just shaking as it's, as it's violently tr- going back and forth uh, as you're trying to slow the vehicle down. Brought the car back to the shop, put it up in the air, pulled four wheels. Not only do I have front rotors, that are warped beyond 23,000. They're just, I mean, it's like the wave, okay? It is also about 11 or 12,000 in the rear. Almost half as much, but not quite. Problem is, it needed brakes. It needed rotors. The bigger problem came about because the front pads and rotors that were put on the car a year or 10 months ago, whatever it was, were such poor quality. And and that's what I wanted to talk about. You know, I don't want to just say, yeah, somebody had a cheap brake job done and it didn't work out because obviously we all know the, the merit in that. We all understand why that doesn't work out. What I wanted to tell you was, I think I've come up with a way to tell you how to tell when it is a cheap brake job. And I think it's in how they write their invoice. And maybe we shouldn't talk about this because maybe they'll change the way they do things. I don't know. One of the things I noticed about his invoice was it said... Front brake pads, forty nine ninety five. Front brake rotors, fifty nine ninety five. That was it. No part numbers, no description, no. But everything was a ninety five. It seems like if it ends in ninety five, that must be the clue. That's like the, uh, that's like the. Well, we're doing a cheap routine. You know, typical brake rotors of a good quality in the aftermarket or. Either that or from the dealer level. Typically, you're going to see them in that $75, $80 range and up. It would seem that the majority of brake rotors, and I know there's going to be variations out there, they're going to vary, but it's going to begin somewhere around $70, and it's going to go up to about $100, $110, $120. You've got to stop looking at the cheaper rotors. You've got to be aware of it and ask the shop, hey, are these original equipment rotors? Is this the entry-level set of brakes? Is this the better-grade set of brakes and learn to look at that and say hey what exactly are you putting on the car and then the the second part of the question has to be what's the warranty because if these go bad in in the warranty period are you going to replace them for me what i believe happened to williams car was the front brakes were such poor quality that not only did it affect the rear the fronts the, the fronts were warped and the fronts didn't work but it overworked the rears and created the pulse back there because I've got to tell you, 2013 Honda Accord, that generation Accord, usually we don't see many rotor pulse issues. It's usually the pads have worn out and there's a rust ridge there. His brakes had a little bit longer life to go in the rear, but as a result of the fronts, the fronts affected the back and created the bigger issue. The other warning sign for me was he had three tires put on the car. The three tires were $336, mounted, balanced, out the door. No mention of valve stems, and this car is a 13 Accord. There is no TPMS 
like we traditionally know it. It's based off of ABS, so there would be a valve stem to replace. There was no mention of New Jersey tire fee, which I thought was interesting. There was no mention of hazardous waste. It was three tires, $336. doesn't say whether they balanced them. doesn't say what they did with them. I assume they mounted them because, obviously, they were on the car. My point is this. You're not, you're not going to, and you shouldn't see a book when you pick up the car. It doesn't have to be a novel. Hey, we did this, 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 this. It's got to have some kind of a description. It's got to make sense. It's got to be something that a year from now, if you go to look at it, hey, what did they do to the car? You'll be able to read it and understand it and not guess. And what I'm seeing over the course of my 43-year career is the places that are doing it on a discount, the places that are doing it on a volume basis are writing descriptions that are nondescript. Sometimes I think that's how the dealers do it, too, but I wouldn't want to say that about dealers. That kind of beats them up, and that's not a fair statement, so I won't. Although sometimes I do. So I think how that invoice is written tells a lot about how that repair was actually done. So there is some value in cheap work. It generates more work for the other shops that want to do it right. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor. We're going to pull over and take the pause, and when we return, kick the garage doors wide open. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor rolling along this hour. By the way, don't forget to get out to YouTube. Out on YouTube, you'll find the Denso TV channel, uh, Denso TV, and you'll find information about, um, well, all sorts of automotive things. We recently posted a video out there that you can also see on the Car Doctor Facebook page, but in case you're not a member of Facebook, you go out to YouTube, go to Denso TV, uh, posted a, what we think is a fairly nice video, a little short clip, a couple of minutes about spark plug removal, some of the do's and don'ts, and some of the things to look for. Uh, you'll find it out there on the Denso TV channel at YouTube. And if you need more information, um, get out to DensoTT.com. That's DensoTT.com, the website. And you'll also find information about a $16 spark plug rebate from the folks over at Denso. And you can get some Denso TTs in your vehicle. So let's move forward and go over and talk to David on line one, Moscow, Idaho. I hope that says Idaho. If that said Moscow by itself, I'd really worry that the uh, signal is really coming in well on this antenna. David, how can I help you? Ron and Annie in the car, doctor, sir. Yeah, yeah, that's Moscow, Idaho. Yes, sir. Well, I, I just called in to share my experience that I had with a used car warranty. I've heard quite a sure, go ahead. talk on your show. and uh, This was uh, quite a few years ago. In 94, I bought a 1990 Chevy K2500 pickup, and the salesman talked me into uh, buying a used car warranty, which I kind of went back and forth. I was on the fence, but... Uh, Probably, and, and I've always done all my own oil changes, so I, I did regular oil changes at every 3,000 miles or just a little bit less, kept the receipts for the filter, the oil, and, you know, the date, mileage. Anyway, about a year later, I got out one day while the pickup was running, and I could hear a knock that sounded like an engine knock, so I took the uh, pickup to the Chevrolet dealer. I was in Portland, Oregon at the time, and took my paperwork, the warranty, which I had no idea how valid it was, actually, and uh, 
the uh, service manager, uh, there was a lady service manager there at the time, and she took the paperwork and whatever, and bottom line, um, I ended up with a new engine in that truck and probably about $150 out of my pocket at the Chevrolet dealer. I had to pay for, like, uh, antifreeze disposal and spark plugs and, you know, a few miscellaneous things. Yeah, the material stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Um, Let me ask you this. That That was what year, David? Well, the that was in about 1995, and I, I actually found the receipts. I also got the power steering gear replaced on that warranty, and I found the receipt for that. I haven't been able to track down the actual uh, repair order for the motor, but uh, the power steering uh, was a $762 bill, and I paid 113 of that. Well, you know, it's... I wonder if maybe, and I'm not discounting your experience, and, you know, yeah. there, there are people out there that have some great used car warranty experiences, and I think that's great. I think that part of this conversation was generated a few weeks back. We were talking about, do you purchase a used car warranty or a new car warranty, and it, yeah. it, it sort of came from there. Right. Uh, you know, I think today's cars are very, very complex, and it's a, it's an entirely different animal. And my biggest complaint about warranties are their limits and the fine print that they don't necessarily explain. I think and, and I think I have a friend who had a, a bad experience just because of that. Uh, do you do you know enough details about it to talk yeah, about it? I what were they? Yeah, go ahead. Sure, go ahead. He, he bought a 2002 Ford F150 used and bought a drive tank train warranty. Uh, during the warranty period, the he calls it the extension housing from the transmission to the transfer case broke. And they said they wouldn't cover it because it wasn't part of the specific items listed under the drivetrain, which was transmission. They said the extension housing wasn't part of the transmission. So they wouldn't pay, but he finally went to the uh, attorney general's office, and they worked on it for several months, and he finally did get them to pay 1200 out of a $2,800 bill. But yeah. It was a real hassle for him. I, I think the key with warranties and with maintaining a car at, at some level, it, it, it really comes back to, you know, paperwork, documentation, yep, and, you know, just keeping that paper trail. And I, I can't stress that enough, and people don't seem to do that. The it, it amazes me how they won't even keep invoices. We had yeah. we, we had someone uh, last week that was stuck on the side of the road. They called for help, and I said, well, if you look, you know, we're, we're an AC Delco professional service center, and as a result of that, AC Delco allows extended warranty and, and um, uh, roadside service as, as part of that. It doesn't cost anybody anything. It's just there. It's part of the deal. And I can't tell you how many times I've said, hey, do you have your AC Delco folder with you? No. You know, do you have the last invoice? No. Where is it? I don't know. You know, it's you can only help those that help themselves, so to speak. Um, right. It's it's but you know, interesting points, David. I appreciate I appreciate and value the input. I think I think we're going to leave it as a takeaway that extended warranties have their place, and I think it's a case by case basis. They're not all good, yeah. but they're not right. all bad either. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm still driving that pickup, by the way. There you go. Well, you know, that's the. That's we don't the... have a rust problem over here, so if you take care of things, you can virtually drive them forever. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best part of the story, right? So, yeah. But um, listen, David, I appreciate the phone call and I appreciate the input. You have yourself a good rest of the afternoon. You bet. I like your show. Thank you, sir, very much. I appreciate that. Let's get over and talk to Brian, Palm Springs, California. Yeah, Brian, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help, sir? Yes, Ron. Yes, Long sir. Time listener. Uh... 
First-time caller. Okay, what can I do for you? Let's see if we can help you out here. Well, I got a uh, 2004 GMC Envoy. Okay. And it gets the... Uh, well, I had the uh, engine mount replaced because I had a vibration in the car. Right. And... Um, but I, I still get a slight vibration. It helps, but I still get a vibration. And they're saying it could be my shock or transmission or alternator or okay. power steering. You got a, you got a, you got a pencil handy, Brian? Yeah. You want to get a look at? You ready for this? You're gonna love this. Uh oh. Y- yeah, it's an uh oh. But it's actually it's it's not that terrible. You want to get a look at General Motors Bulletin, O four, O seven, thirty dash O thirty five. It's, it's been out there a long time. It's probably, last time I looked at it, it was at least seven, eight years ago. So I'm going to say it's a 10-year bulletin. 040730-035, or 035. I don't think there's any dash there. And that bulletin okay. talks specifically about problems with the rear trans mount. Ah. Okay. And also get a look at GM Tech Tech. If you, it, it, they call it a technical document, but they give it a bullet. They don't give it a bulletin number. They give it a technical document number. Technical document number PIT, like PIT, but one T, thirty five sixteen D. PIT thirty five sixteen D is in David. Um, talks specifically along with that other bulletin. Talks specifically about rocks. If you can believe this, bats in your belfry. Well, you got rocks in your trans mount, my friend. The little tiny pebbles are getting down into the trans mount, and it grinds against itself, and it actually takes away the ability. You know, a mount has to isolate the engine and the trans onto rubber and isolate it away from the chassis. The rocks build up enough of a pile that they come in contact from the top to the bottom. There's a well there, and they actually transmit a vibration through the floor pan, and you feel it up inside the vehicle. Oh yeah, it's it's all all the way through, yep. and it and and it's just more of an irritation yep. than than anything else. Yep, uh, but very very common problem. You get your hand on either and, one of those two documents, and they'll talk about it, and I think that'll solve it for you. And and that would be when when I'm when I'm driving, it's it's great. Right, I, I can. It's drive only when you, it's, it's only when you're si- it's only when you're sitting still. When you're sitting in a light it, in gear, it may even change. I bet if you put it in neutral, the vibration diminishes some. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you've got you've got that. Take a look at that, or have your mechanic look at it. They may be able to. In some cases, they had to replace the trans mounts. In other cases, sometimes you can just blow the pebbles out, see if the problem goes away. And if it does, at least you know how to upgrade and replace that trans mount itself. But either one of those documents should explain it for you. All right, Brian. Good luck to you, babe. Let me know if that works. If it doesn't, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor is on duty twenty four seven. Send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. And we can talk about it even further. So, hey, coming up next, southbound and down. Well, we'll see. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can be done? Hey, welcome back. You know, one of the best parts about this job is the fact that besides talking about repairing cars, we get to talk about the cars that really struck that emotional nerve for all of us that take us back to a time when, well, we just remember where we were and what we were doing and 
when we first saw that first look at that car. Today's that car happens to be that black Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit. And here to talk to us about it as it's being prepped for its auction is Julian White from Generation Auto TV. Julian, welcome to The Car Doctor. Hey, thanks for having me on. I am teary-eyed listening to your description of this car and our memories of it. Well, I love that song. You found it down. Yeah, you know, this is, you start to look at the movie cars, as we call them, and this is clearly one of the movie cars, right? Um, you, the you know, it, it, yes. it, it just defined a generation. Everybody remembers where they were. You know, I can remember scenes from that movie. I love the scene where the Trans Am's running down the mailboxes and the windshield wipers are going. Uh, you know, you start to think about the things that are in that movie and the little bits of detail. And you watch it over and over and over again. And the wives and the girlfriends go, why are we watching this for the 28th time? Because it's a great <laughs> movie. It's got the cars in it. You know, they don't they, they don't see that. So tell us what's coming up today at Barrett-Jackson, because obviously there's got to be some kind of an excitement there there is so much excitement which you can see live on discovery channel at 6 p.m eastern so i encourage you guys to tune in to see it but this trans am is going on the auction block uh, mr burt reynolds himself will be on the block riding up in the car as it gets prepared to be auctioned off here at bear jackson Scottsdale, Arizona. now this is one of five that are that were used during the That's movie correct. julian what can you what can right. tell us about it yeah, there were five cars used for filming, or production, and promotion of the movie Smokey and the Bandit. Four of those cars are gone. They're crushed. They're, they're long gone. They're beer cans now. But the fifth one was used to promote the movie, and that's the one that's going up on the auction block. It's the only one with an authentic, verified, direct tie to the movie. When we found the car last year, it had been sitting for 30 years. The second owner had had the car. But when we got inside the car we found maps of locations, sites for the movie. We found a script of the movie. We found press kits. But the real, the real thing was the certificate from Universal Studios, which authenticated the car that they had used it, matching the VIN number. But then when we pulled title, because that still could have been a, you know, we were a little skeptical of that document. We found the title said Universal Promo Car, previously titled to the Burt Reynolds Institute for Film and Theater. Wow. We yeah, we wow is right. Yeah. Oh. So we contacted Burt Reynolds Camp, and they were great enough to help us promote it. Uh, I was missed with, missed, uh, with Mr. Reynolds a month ago, and he filmed a segment that you can find at Barrett Jackson's website as well as ours, GenerationAuto.tv. And you can watch that one minute with Burt Reynolds tell you the whole story of the car. Crazy. Wow. And, and, who, and who wouldn't enjoy that, you know? You listen to the music, and you, you sort of expect to look in the rearview mirror and see Jackie Gleason chasing uh, <laughs> Burt Reynolds around the, around the map, right? Um, it's a little surreal being here at, Scott, at uh, Bear Jackson because we have a Burt Reynolds and a Buford T. Justice impersonator. So I do feel like I'm getting followed around when I'm standing next to the car, and to my left is Mr. Reynolds last night in front of the car doing some press. Uh, it's very surreal, but it's a lot of fun and very exciting. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Where do you... Where do you think the numbers, can we talk about it? Or where do you think the numbers are going to yeah, fall for this absolutely. car? Um, we are told that it's probably going to hit a million dollars. Seven-figure car. Wow. Yeah. Trans Ams are very, very high right now. In fact, there's been four or five that have gone across the block in the last three days. And they're all setting records for their year car. A couple nights ago, the Restore a Muscle Car, Dave Hall, he's very popular in the Trans Am community, brought a car here. And it was a seven-mile, 10th anniversary, 79 Trans Am. 
went for $170,000. Set the record for 10th anniversary transams. Well, you know, the, the 70s was that time period I graduated high school in the early 70s. And I remember Pontiac in the mid-70s and on, you know, down around, oh, you know, they started to die off in popularity. When Smokey and the Bandit came out, uh-huh. car sales just took off through the roof. It was yeah, Pont- it, Pontiac it, skyrocketed. Yeah, down. it was crazy. And and that's what this car represents too. Beyond the movie, and not taking away from its movie greatness, but it it brought back Pontiac as a car maker in, in the eyes of America at the time, in the eyes of the American car holder, the youth generation at that time. Um, they looked upon and, them and said, "Wow!" And they're having a, they're having a resurgence now because Pontiac is actually, as you know, as you just mentioned, has been gone for so many years. Yep. And uh, a little side bit that was told me to be told me today by a bidder. Those cars that were sold earlier today are being picked up because the collector is afraid that after our car sells tonight for a million, that the Trans Am value is going to go so high, they don't want to buy them later. So they're buying them now with the anticipation the car they bought yesterday will be worth 20% more tomorrow after our car sells. Yeah, I've got to think so. so. Yeah. Pontiac value is back on the rise again. Yeah, I've got to think so. So, hey, listen, maybe you'll find the 18-wheeler that Jerry Reed drove and um, somebody could have a match set. That would be great. I wonder, would be great. I wonder whatever happened to that. Listen, if the listeners want to get more information, Julian, where can they go? Is there a website they can, or, you know, other than finding it, I mean, obviously they can get out to, uh, is it Discovery or Velocity? Or is it one or the other, depending upon their part of the country? Yeah, there's a number of sites they can go to. The first one would be generationauto.tv, and you will find out auction information, car information, Burt Reynolds video. Or, of course, they can go directly to barrett-jackson.com. Uh, and watch the live stream, or of course they can go to Discovery at six Eastern and see this car get auctioned off. And look at the owner who's going to have a piece of movie memorabilia. Wow! Tonight, very cool stuff, Julian. We want to thank you for taking the time to share with the listeners today. We're always glad to have you here at the Car Doctor. You uh, you keep us in mind. We'll help uh, we'll help talk to you in the future about uh, future events as they unfold. All right, sir. That's fantastic. I look forward to it. You take Thanks good care. Have fun today. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, how much fun would that be to, you know, be sitting there on stage and uh, Bert walks up next to you and, you know, what would it take to get Bert to put the cowboy hat on and say, let's go for one last ride, huh? You know, let's take it out the door. Eh, probably not. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Let's pull over and take the pause. When we return, we'll get back to phone calls. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's get the phones open again, and let's go over and talk to Matt in Guilford, Maine. Some questions about a 1953 Dodge Power Wagon. Matt, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Well, uh, first off, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Love the show. Thank Love you. Show. Thank you. Uh, got a crazy question for you. Go ahead. Uh, looking at this old M37 Dodge as a possible road vehicle, uh, I mean, they were tough pieces of iron uh, with a full fuel tank and the winch on front. It weighs three tons. So, you know, it's it's a solid old girl. And yep. the one I found is in, in really good shape. 
Um, but I'm not impressed with. <laughs> yeah, but I know there's a but here somewhere. Exactly. Go ahead. Uh, what I'm not impressed with is that 55 miles an hour seems to top it out, and six miles per gallon is about the best you're going to get for fuel mileage. Yeah, that's that that's true statement. The only way you get it to go faster is if you go over the cliff, and that'll cut down both on fuel economy, but it will increase top end, but only for a short time. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what do you do about it? And understand, you know, there's a romance to these vehicles. Mm-hmm. And we have to talk about the romantic factor because, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about the Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am. There's a romance to that vehicle. There's a romance to a 53 Dodge Power Wagon. You look at it and you're just like, you think Tim Allen. or You know, it's just, <laughs> it, it comes up from within. It's just, it signifies and personifies what the vehicle is. You know, what you're really telling me is you like the, the the guts and the look of a 53 Power Wagon, but you want a modern drivetrain. You you want something that will, you know, give you better fuel economy and a higher top end. The problem becomes that you're trying to soften up, a, as you said, a piece of iron, and it becomes difficult. You know, one of the things, I'll, I'll, I'll equate it to you this way. One of the things I learned about 55 Chevys over the past 45 years and my romance with them, again, romance, right? Mm-hmm. They are they are cool hot rods. That means you hang your arm out the window, the wind's blowing in your hair at 45 miles an hour, sometimes a little faster. If, you know, you're all alone out on the highway at 2 in the morning, that's another story. But, you know, it's cool. There's a cool factor. I don't know that I could drive a 55 Chevy every day of the week. I don't know that I could do that. It's... You know, it's 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 power, it's manual brakes, it's big and bulky, it's it's a box. And, you know, there are times where you just want to get into another vehicle and just not have to think about it and drive. Older cars, and this is going to sound like I'm, I'm degrading myself, but older cars require thought. <laughs> you know, sometimes you, sometimes you want to just, you know, do nothing. So, you know, be cautious about this. Uh, you know, if you want something as a weekend truck or a once in a while, buy it. But, you know, at that point, I don't know that I could justify the expense to convert it into something more modern and softer and easier to ride and and, and make it work like that. And, you know, we'll, we'll call it, you know, we'll call it what it is from that perspective. All right, Matt, so just, you know, be cautious about it. Maybe it's a three, four day a week truck and you have something else for the rest of the time. But to start changing gears and make everything else work, you're going to start to science this thing out where you might as well just buy a shell and put a modern drivetrain in it and see how that works out and, and kind of take it from there. Good luck to you, Matt. If you ever do buy it, depending upon what you find, if you don't buy this one, send us some pictures. We'll put them up on the Car Doctor Facebook page. Brian, Dallas, Texas, 07 Expedition. How can I help you, sir? Hey, Ron. Appreciate yes, you taking my call. Yes, sir. I've, I've got a 07 Expedition uh, with 70,000 miles on it. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of, you know, listening to you and listening to my father and, He's one to preach preventive maintenance. Yep. And so, in particular, with regards to the spark plugs, mm. uh, you know, they've got the dreaded three-piece spark plug. Yeah, this is this is that motor. Yeah. It is. So yep. I'm just trying to figure out um, your approach or your opinion, given, one, there's, there's an age factor, so I want to do it before it gets too old. However, the mileage is somewhat low for the vehicle. Well, and I think, yeah, I think, you know, Brian, I, I see and hear horror stories at forty and 50,000 miles, so it's it's not necessarily this mileage is so low. I would tell you to take it to, you know, who's got the most experience down by you, you think, an independent shop, the dealer? Have you talked to anybody? 
Yeah, I have. I've talked to the dealer. Um, they're obviously well versed in it. And then I've talking to I've talked to some independents that I like. Right. One of them won't touch. One of them won't touch it. Another, you know, is of the opinion if there's no lights on and it's driving fine, then just keep driving it. Right. And, that's that's because he doesn't want to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Basically, <laughs> that's probably uh, all right. Right. So you know, my my vote is take it to the dealer. He's got the most experience with it. Uh, you know, I I have seen the shops that do it on a more frequent, regular basis have the best success, and they've got the tricks down pat. And it, the dealer can probably quote you a pretty firm price up front because they've got so much experience with it. I would be, I would venture to guess, um, you know, and let them do it. I, I I clearly think doing it now is better than trying to do it later. It's only going to get worse. Understood, understood. And because there is there are no lights, it just. It just it's a function of I don't want to get right. if it's seized up I don't want to seize it up anymore. Right. You know this is like the logic of never change the trans fluid until it turns black. But by the time it turns black, you need a trans. So what's the point? Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, pre- preventative maintenance is the way to go. And then when they have the coils out, they can put a little dielectric grease in there and put the coils back in. If they see any coils with arcing or anything that looks like it's cracked, they can change the coil and be proactive. Then I don't necessarily just change coils when I pull the plugs on these vehicles. I will do boots if boots are available, and ask them this. If spark plug boots are available as a separate item, I would do boots and you know coil and plugs together, but coils are a case-by-case basis. Hey, Brian, I'll tell you what. Stay on the line. We're going to try and soften the blow. We're going to send you that $25 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Good for anything at O'Reilly Auto Parts or O'ReillyAuto.com. It'll help you. Maybe you can pick out a set of plugs, get out to O'Reilly Auto, and maybe you'll find a nice set of Denso TTs. More information at DensoTT.com. But in any event, stay on the line. We'll be sending you this $25 gift card. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 number. Call, leave a message if we're not on the air. We'll talk to you about your car problem the following week. Fast Harry will put you in the lineup. Let's go over and talk to Pete from Michigan, 2008 Toyota RAV4. A heater problem. Pete, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, I got a, um, yeah, a heater problem. What, what I have is that everything works, seems to work fine. All my controls work fine and everything. But when it gets down like 20 degrees or colder, it takes quite a while to um, uh, to warm up, and are you there yet? Yeah, oh, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. When I make a left turn, uh, I get I get hotter heat and more volume coming out of my vent. That's the weird part. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's take it one step at a time. All right. If we were going to diagnose this at the shop, the first thing I want to deal with is I want to know how hot is what's coming out of the ducts currently at. How hot is hot? I want a thermometer in the duct, all right? The vehicle right. the vehicle on a 35-degree day should warm up within six to eight minutes and produce somewhere between 140 and 160 degrees of heat. That's an average vehicle, all right? Good thermostat, okay. proper flow, and so on. If we don't get that 100, and, if we don't get a minimum of 135 to 140 degrees of heat in six to seven minutes at the duct, then I want to know how long does it take before we get that heat. Do we ever get that heat? Because I've seen, and the reason I go for a specific temperature, Pete, 
is because I see too many people start to chase, well, it sort of feels warm, but it gets warmer if I do this, or it gets colder if I do that. I want to know numbers, all right, plain and simple, right? Once I establish where the heat is, let's say the heat's good. Let's say I'm getting 145 degrees of heat, all right? But then you turn to the left, you know, as you say, or you get more airflow. Sounds like a, a blend door problem. Maybe we're into something with ducts, but I still want to know what my temperature is. If the heat output is low, if you've got anemic heat, check both heater hoses. One heater hose is going to be engine temp. It's going to be real hot, hard to touch, hot to the touch. The other one is going to be cooler, but still hot. If they're both cold, we've got low flow or cooler. If they're both equal temperature, we've got low flow through the core. You with me? Pete, we've got low flow through the core. At that point... Before we start replacing the core, let's try back flushing it, and we can see if that gets anything. We'll take the two hoses off, put a tube up, dump it into a bucket, and see what that does, and then chase the actuator, and obviously looking at engine temperature and thermostat the whole time. Let me know how you wake out. I'm running any in the car, doctor. The mechanics are expensive. They're priceless. See ya! See ya! 